All right, so here we go. I'm Paul Torres. I'm Taylor Edmondson. And this is Panhandle Fight Talk. Here we go. So UFC 268 was awesome. Everything that we talked about before, it lived up to every bit of the hype. Yeah. It was incredible from start to finish, from the early prelims all the way up. Even though, like, yeah, early prelims was great, um, it, and then prelims were great, and then the main card was fantastic. So, I don't know, do you want to do you want to spend a lot of time talking about the early prelims? I mean, there was one or two fights there that were worth talking about, but we don't have to. It's just two fights. I, I want to give Donkey Kong okay. his, <laughs> yeah, his exa- joy that's exactly and the... Next, Conor McGregor, if you will, <laughs> he got he has to get a little bit of time because yeah, yeah. he earned it, absolutely earned it. All right, well, go ahead, you start it off. Yeah, so it was the fourth fight of the night, um, late night, but fourth fight of the night. Chris Barnett against Ian Villante. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but these dudes came out, and me and Paul are sitting there watching them come out, going. What is going on? They put the heavy in heavyweights. They come out with the beer belly. It looks like two uncles got mad and they're getting ready to throw it down in the backyard. I called I it mean, the, the I called it the rumbly tumbly fight. Yeah, it was. It really was. It looked like the Michelin Man fighting against a Hershey bar out there. It was incredibly crazy to watch him come out. Super entertaining though. Like it yeah. was awesome to see that dude. Uh, what what's what were their names again? I don't even have Volante and Chris Barnett. Volante and Chris Barnett. So Chris Barnett comes out and he's got these taekwondo skills and he's throwing these like spinning back kicks and spinning kicks and he he's just all energy. And the other dude looks I mean he looks kind of bored. He looks very traditional but very bored like he's trying to walk him down. He's trying to like you know throw a little bit of like strategy and whatnot at him. But it doesn't work because this other dude's just spinning and jumping around so hard. Like, it was great. Yeah, highly highly athletic. Athleticism was off the chart with both of these guys. And Barnett was. He was just constantly moving, constantly spinning, and kept a high tempo for the round and a half that the fight took. And in the second round early, he tried a spinning back kick. That didn't land. He barely missed it. No, but the Hulk, did you hear, do you remember the crowd? Like the whole crowd was on their feet or like in awe of the fact that this short little fat man just jumped up in the air and twirled. (laughs) Yeah. And that he had that mobility and athleticism to do that. It was incredible to see. Yeah. And then 30 seconds after he attempted and missed that spinning back kick, he landed and knocked the dude out. Where I was sitting there talking to Paul going, you know, we could have a knockout of the year consideration if he lands that. And then as soon as I said that, Chris Barnett landed it and knocked it out. It yeah, wheel, wheel kick. kick. Yeah. And knocked him out into the fight in the first two and a half rounds. He got knockout of the night uh, awards for that. And it was incredible. As soon as he knocked him out, the ref called it. The dude proceeds to do a front flip, land right on his rear. But he got, he got the belly up and over to complete that front flip. It oh, was it was absolutely oh, incredible. It was a big man celebration. Yeah. Like he was celebrating all the way until he walked out of the octagon. He was breakdancing. He was I mean, it was great. It was we, we got a big man celebration for a big man fight. That was probably one of the most entertaining fights I've seen in a long time, just on comedic value alone. Yes. A hundred percent. And it was good quality too. It wasn't just a comedy occurring yeah. during the fight. It was good technique that was going on with a side of comedy as well. Yeah, and then and then after Chris Barnett's fight, we had Ian Gary and Jordan Williams. Ian Gary, I okay. First of all, 
I don't like this guy. Like he feels like a frat boy, and he feels like he's he like he's walking in Connor's shoes, and it just I I didn't like him. Also, he had some chorizo on his upper lip, and it just looked <laughs> <laughs> it looked bad. <laughs> it, looked, it looked real bad. That that was uh that I couldn't look away from it. It was like it was it, it was like when Israel Adesanya had the his boob was out. You know when Izzy had that big booby uh, before that fight against. Um, Oh, who was he fighting? I think that was the that wasn't the Paulo Costa fight. That was before it was before the Paulo Costa fight. Um, Definitely before Paulo Costa. I can't remember what you're talking about. So he I came am in no help. Okay, so he here's my theory what happened with Izzy. And I know we're getting off topic, but I just want to chase this rabbit hole real quick. Um he my theory is like they all take performance enhancing substances and then they cycle off of them right before they have to fight. I think that whatever he was taking may have given him like a hormone reaction or something. And it gave him a big titty because he did have one. Like it, it was obvious there were memes about it, but because Izzy's a big, you know, he's a big draw. Nobody really makes fun of him. They don't really go hard in the paint after him for a long period of time. It went away. But, um, was it the Romero fight? Could have been. I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not sure what you're referencing, was, so I'm no help to well, you right okay. now. Okay. Well, anyways, it was my point is it was distracting, and so with this fight with Ian Gary, it was distracting having him have that like whatever it was. It was a his, mouth herpes. Is it was, what it he had like. mouth herpes. He, he had did. A, he had a herpes. He had a, his her <laughs> his herpes had a herpes, and, and and it was really obvious. But he won the fight. Now he did win the fight under some adversity because this Jordan Williams who came out. Uh, plus 300, he was the underdog, and I had never really even heard of him before, and he gave Ian Gary a hard time. Like, this was not a – he definitely has some one-punch knockout power because he's still technically skilled, but he's going to need to raise his fight IQ. If Ian Gary wants to stay in the UFC and he wants to go for a title run, he's going to have to up his fight IQ because he got in there, and it may have been – you know, no one's ever been in front of that fight or in front of that size of crowd before at Madison Square Gardens. Maybe he just needed to calm down. And realized that all he had to do was fight. But that first round, the whole first round, he looked shaky. And he's just, I think his instinct saved him. And then when he was able to put Jordan Williams away with that beautiful, I don't even think it was a one-two. I think he like slipped him and threw a cross. I, I can't remember. It was one punch, though. Put it right on the button, knocked him out smooth. He was as relieved as the crowd was excited to see that. Because you could tell there was something in his eyes where he was like, I might be in trouble here. And he uh, comes from a fighting career of not really like, well, I haven't haven't seen any of his his other fights, but he did really well in the other leagues that he's fought in. Yeah, and this guy had knockout power coming into it. That's why he was the favorite. Um, And he's a kid. He's 23 years old. And he had deer in the headlights look at the greatest arena in the world. Wow. Madison Square Garden's okay. I don't like it, if it, it's the most prestigious arena in the world for fighting. Okay, but for me, I, I just don't like. I don't like giving anything New York has that much credit. I agree, but okay, it it is what it is at that point. <laughs> and he had deer in the headlocks headlights look to him, just like Patty the Batty did. And then I think it finally realized, like, hey, I'm in a fight. I need to go. And he did. He shimmied and shook and dropped Jordan Williams with that one punch. Four minutes, 59 seconds into the first round, right before it ended. And it shocked me. It shocked Paul. It got – it. I thought Jordan Williams had it in the bag. I really did. I thought it was going to be a second-round oh, yeah. knockout. Yeah, it looked like and he was winning. 
Ian Gary landed it. Now, he was he was piecing Gary fight, up. He was piecing Gary up hard. Oh, you're talking about his oh, his, his speech? Yeah, his speech that he gave. Yeah, it was trash. Yeah, he is the uh, next Conor McGregor is what he dubbed himself. No. And he might be, I don't know. He has the power like McGregor had, but yeah, I, I don't. He, he has a long ways to go, but he's only 23, got his first win in a debut fight, and it was a statement win, a yeah. statement finish. So It um, showed he had some resilience. It showed he had a chin. Like I'm, I'm a fan of his resilience. So we'll see. He, he has not won me over yet. He hasn't lost me as a fan. He hasn't won me over yet. And in any time, I don't know, bro, any time they say, like, I'm the next anybody, that doesn't inspire confidence in me. Because I'm going, dude, just be yourself. Like, be the first you. Like, Connor didn't come in going, I'm the next whatever. He's like, I'm me. I'm the king. I'm taking over. And that's it. That's it's all you need. It's because Connor was the first, though. He was the first Irish He's fighter. He's not the first Irish fighter in the UFC. He's not. But he was the biggest name of date. And Connor is like Irish royalty right now. Well, right now he's not. We're going to get into that here in a little bit. All right, all right, but all right. he's not right now. But he was. He was the biggest superstar Ireland's ever had. In my opinion that I know. If I think Ireland, I think Conor McGregor. And for that recency bias, I can see where Ian Gary's like, hey, I want to be this guy. This guy is at the peak, held two titles at once. This is a man from my country, and I want to be just like him. I get that. I can get that. But if you look at the Dagestani bad boys, like they shy away from the, I'm the next Khabib. Like they're not, they don't say I'm the next Khabib. They're because saying, Khabib's too great to compare to. No, I don't think so, man. I do. I don't. I do. Like I think that they're going to take, I think we're going to see a Dagestani takeover in the UFC. Well, that's happening. It's already occurring, but... I don't think anybody wants to say that to Khabib because as respectful as it is, it's still saying Habib's not that great. Like he they, could another Habib could happen and I don't see that happening. They come in and all they do is claim that they're crazy mountain men and then that's it. Like they just leave it at that. They're like, I'm not the next Islam Makachev. I'm not the next Khabib Nurmagomedov. They just come and say, I am mountain men. I smash. And they all just say the same thing. So that's their, like, that's all you can say about it. It is what it is. I agree with Ian Gary and I can see where he's coming from. And regardless if you're a fan or not, you're still watching his next fight just like I am. I mean, I'll take note, you know. Yeah. And you're going to recognize the name. You may hope he gets knocked out. I think, I think it's I, a sign of weakness. I want to watch him. I don't think it is. I think it's a sign of... Uncon- if you're not confident in yourself, you have to borrow somebody else's confidence. That's a sign of weakness. It'd be pretty freaking confident to sit there and say, I want to be the next Conor McGregor from where I'm looking. That'd be like me saying, hey, I want to be the next Sir Isaac Newton. Like, let's go. That, I don't know. It doesn't interest me in, in the fight. I think like... And then also when he says that, Conor has the opportunity to turn around and be like... Nobody's the next me. Like, in a good mood, sure, Connor will support his countrymen. But in a bad mood, Connor is going to go off on the dude. Let's see it. <laughs> I would, okay, that fight, I could clearly see Connor knocking him out smooth. To be seen. To be seen. Okay, so next fight, we had Edmund Shabazian versus Nasmardin Imavov. Um, and that was a. This was a knockout. So this night was filled with knockouts. Yeah, it was. It was knockout central on it. 
Um, I'm trying to look up the stats right now to see what the actual knockoff blow was. This wasn't the uh, flying knee, was it? Uh, I thought so. Uh, yeah, because Chris Curtis was a... No, Pereira was the flying knee. Chris Curtis got stuck Bill Halls with that left hook. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. So, Imanov, I think he just rocked him. I think he hit him with a one-two combo and rocked Shabazin. I guess I, I guess I just don't remember that fight. Dude, well, it's hard. Whenever a card well, is this good yeah. and you have so many knockouts, it's so, hard to remember specific knockouts unless they stood out like Donkey Kong did. We were watch we were watching the early prelims and those two fights were so good. And this happened several times between the early prelims, prelims and the main card. The early prelims were good and it got us hyped and then it was like, dude, we've got another fight coming up. And so we're watching Edmund Shabazian and Nasmerdin and Mavov and they put on like a technically good fight, but because like I didn't have any energy to like get excited about it. So it was just kind of watching it. I'm like, all right, like let's see what's going on. Like we just saw um, you know, we just saw a dude get wheel kicked and, you know, like they were putting on technical skill, which was good, but it just wasn't flashy. So compared to the other fights, it was kind of a, kind yeah. of a, kind of a relaxed fight to watch. And then the guy pulls off the win. Then we get to Chris Curtis and Philip Hawes, Philip Hawes. And this one, Philip Hawes, like he always does, comes out gunning. He had Chris Curtis on his heels the entire first round. Yeah. And then something clicked. It did not look like Chris Curtis was going to win that fight. Not at all. And something clicked. And Chris Curtis, uh, Phil Halls gives Ducks a faint overhand and Ducks right into a left hook that just planted him. Yeah. Absolutely planted him. And it came out of nowhere if you watch the first round. Yeah. And once that tide turned, Chris Curtis was able to capitalize. He was able to put him away. And finished it. Yeah. It was... It was an awesome knockout and an awesome fight to watch just because of that. Um, now, the next fight, I mean, I don't know. Do you want to talk more about that one? No. Okay. I mean, other than the fact that Philip Halls has to find himself, he was an up-and-coming, supposed to be something, and he's now on a big, big skid. And he, it's because he's going big and bad and flashy, and he leaves himself open, and he gets rocked Yeah. every time. And you cannot be doing that in the fight game. You cannot continually be getting rock like that. No, nah, that'll you'll have a short fight career and a lot of mumbled sentences. Yeah, look at Nick Diaz. Exactly. Exactly my point. So, Ally Aquinta and Bobby Green. Ally Aquinta, um, he was a plus 55 and underdog. Before and- the fight, that it will be a flawless victory for him. Yeah, he was talking some mad trash before this. Big time trash. And, and did not back it up. <laughs> not at all. Bobby Green came out and Stone Cold Killer on him. Absolutely dominated him. And afterwards, he's like, yeah, you know, it was pretty much just a uh, flawless victory for me. Um, it was great. Oh, he was rubbing it in. For sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And this one was awesome. Bobby Green's having kind of a resurgence. Uh, the fight before this, he lost on a split decision, which everyone and their dog thought he won. Um, and, I mean, it. it is what it is. A loss is a loss. But Bobby Green's an older guy, and he's having this career resurgence right now. He's not really fighting anybody up in the standings. But if he keeps putting on these shows, he's going to keep climbing in those standings and get some fights and maybe... Maybe he has another run at a top five. 
contender place. I don't think he has enough time for a title shot. Wait, what weight class are they in? They are... I am on the wrong page. Lightweight. Yeah, they are lightweight. So that's a loaded, loaded Wait, weight class. So, so he's lightweight. Who's got the lightweight championship right now? Oliveira. You think Bobby Green can take Oliveira? No. Okay. I think he could compete for a top 10 to top 5. Okay, okay. I, I, was, don't think I he, was just making no, sure. He's not going for a title run. He's not being Poirier. He's not beating... Yeah, he's not being Islam Mahachev. Okay. He's not beating Michael Chandler. He's not beating Gaethje. I wasn't sure what you were saying, so no. I wanted to be clear. What What okay. I'm trying to say is Bobby Green's having this resurgence, and I think he could end up being a top 10 fighter before his career is done. And if he gets on a hot run, he could maybe crack top five. Could be. So that's what I'm saying. Bobby Green's highly entertaining. I love the dude. Um, I'm... I watch every one of his fights just because he is an A1 dude and he keeps it real. He's the lightweight version of Derek Lewis, and I love it. All right, so the next fight, Alex Pereira versus Andres Michalidis. Um, you, I got to be honest, I remember how this fight finished. I don't remember all of it because it was two rounds. Um, one good round, but then the second round. Real yeah. quick. So Alex Pereira is a kickboxer, highly skilled kickboxer. Mitchellatus is just a kind of all-around, more so wrestler. And the entire first round, Mitchellatus just ran Pereira back, held him up against the cage, and they grappled against the cage a few knees. They got split up several times. Really boring first round, but Mitchellatus won it by control. Second round, Pereira's like, this ain't happening. Throws a beautiful flying knee, lands it, and it's over. You saw the lights turn off on Mitchelletta's face. Like, gone. Absolutely out. And it was a contender for knockout of the night as well in this fight. Um, yeah, but it wasn't. how be- beautiful it was. It, it wasn't beating Donkey Kong. It wasn't beating the wheel kick. Not at all. Not at all. But it was still a very kick. a wheel kick, emphasizing the H before the W. That That's how you know he means business whenever he puts H before the W. Everyone has to get out of there. But it... It was really nice knockout. I it, was good. It. it was a good fight. Like we could look, like we could talk a lot about the prelims and and uh, yeah, like we could the early prelims and prelims. However, the main card. Let's get to that because I want to talk about this Justin Gaethje Michael Chandler fight because Ooh. okay, it was not it was unusual that Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler were to fight first on the main card. Like it was they should have been right under the co-main event. If there was a triple main event, I mean, they probably could have put that one up for it. It's just that it wasn't for a title. Um, but Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, uh, they both have name recognition. Both these guys are fighters. Both these guys come out hungry, and they put on a slugfest for three rounds. It could have been five rounds. Everyone knew this was going to be a war. And I think the three rounds is what we needed and not five rounds because I think they let it all out there for the three rounds, where if it was five rounds, the first round would have been more of a fill-out period. Fifth round, they would have been gassed. Three rounds, they went at it for a full 15 minutes. And I hate the fact that it started off the main card because the fights after it were great, but it was such a letdown to the war that we watched. I liked Go it, on. though. I like that they came out with a great fight to start off the night, and then we had kind of a break in the middle of it, and then we got to watch it finish. But true to form, Michael Chandler comes out, guns blazing. He's sitting there coming at Gaethje, Gases early, 
I, I, in my opinion, he gassed. And then that's how Gaethje was able to come back at him and win the fight. See, what I saw was cement chins on these dudes. Yeah. I mean, absolute stone. They took shots all during the first round. As soon as Chandler would rock Gaethje, Gaethje would back up and we were like, is this going to be it? Is this going to be over? Then Gaethje would fire back with that left hook. But Gaethje put in more work on the calf kicks than Chandler did. Yeah. And that was a turning point in that fight. Yeah. By the time that second and third round came around, Chandler didn't have a front leg. And Chandler can't switch to southpaw. He has to stay orthodox. And that's what won Gaethje the fight. But it was, I mean, an absolute war. Everyone saw and said this was going to happen as soon as Chandler came over from the KBO league or whatever league he came from. I think it was KBO. Um, And they put on a show. This is one thing I've missed. This was reminiscent to me of the Forrest Griffin-Stephen Bonner fight. Stephen Bonner? Stephen Bonner, Stephen Bonner. Who cares? He lost. Oh, his name was Stephen. It was Stephen, but he lost. Um, well, I mean, he you know, he, he earned Stefan. Yeah, but he lost. Yeah, but he, he, still got a, he still got a contract, though. Yeah, he still got a contract. Still had a career. Yeah. Um, really good, but... So Stefan Botter's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Still lost. Um, but this was a war that was on the level of a Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, from start to finish. Third round, I don't know what Michael Chandler was doing bouncing around other than the fact that he Dude, probably couldn't put weight on his leg. Okay, but you have to you have to remember like all those calf kicks, he was getting kicked into oblivion. Like he was getting his that leg was getting kicked and he was going down on that leg. Like Justin Gaethje, that's a sign that Justin Gaethje came in with a solid game plan. He worked that game plan. He weathered the early storm of Michael Chandler, which he knew was going to be there. And he had the discipline to come in he let Michael Chandler's got big old muscles. He let them fill with blood and get tired. And then they had a slugfest. But the only way you have a slugfest is if the two guys kind of, they, they have to take a little bit off their punches and they do that because of exhaustion. So Justin Gaethje couldn't knock out Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler couldn't knock out Justin Gaethje. Michael Chandler couldn't do it because of two factors. One, Justin had taken out his legs with all those calf kicks. And two, he was gassed. Gaethje had the smarter game plan. He was able to dominate him. He was able to earn points. I'm surprised they didn't go to the ground more, um, but it wasn't. I wasn't surprised that they got a unanimous decision at the end, Gaethje. And then Michael Chandler, the one thing he does is, because he's so positive about everything, I think it keeps him from reevaluating his strategy when he loses. Because he just he keeps going on the track he was on and – when they when the fight was over, like there was a lot of like good sportsmanship and you know, like you look at Michael Chandler and he doesn't look like a beaten man, but it's like you you did get beat. Like it's almost like you got beat and then you're in denial of getting beat. And the only person that night that outdid him in that respect um was Colby Covington. <laughs> Colby <laughs> yeah. Colby Covington got whooped and I but you know what I take that back though. Colby Covington hasn't really been talking a lot of trash since that fight. So no, he hasn't. Michael Chandler hadn't either, and that's not really Chandler's well, Mike, style. Yeah, Michael Chandler doesn't. I'm not saying talking trash, but Michael Chandler doesn't look like he was humbled by the by no. the defeat. And it wasn't that much of a dominant fight by Gaethje. You know, first round you watch it, and you you could give the first round to Chandler, or you can give it to Gaethje. It was a close first round. Gaethje won the second round, clear, absolutely clear. Um, and Chandler put up a fight in the third round. So I. I could have seen it maybe swaying to Chandler's way a little bit, 
But it wasn't a pure domination by any means. Gaethje took shots. Gaethje, it was a fight. And Chandler, I could see if his corner's hyping him up, I can see where Chandler had that positivity coming about him. Because at that time, you can make a case that Chandler won the third round, and you can make a case that Chandler won the first round. Gaethje just dominated the second round and completely stuffed every takedown defense that Chandler threw at him. But I can I can see the case where Chandler may have thought he won. Well, I like that they did it early. Um, the next fight, Shane Burgos and Billy Corintillo. It was a good fight, but because it was, I mean, these were kind of lower name guys and it had just come after a banger. Um, I remember like looking at you and being like, man, like this, this is a great fight and, and I'm not excited about it. Yeah, that's what I was kind of disappointed about with Gaethje Chandler being so early on the card. Um, but Burgos committed to the calf kicks too. And Billy Q could barely walk in the third round. Yeah. He couldn't get across the ring. And we thought it was going to be a few more leg kicks. I bet he could have got the TKO. And Billy Q couldn't have continued. It was gnarly. It was nasty looking at his leg. So for that fight, Shane Burgos got the win. Uh, it was a three-round unanimous decision, which took us over to... Okay, so the Frankie Edgar-Marlon Vera fight. I was, I was actually rooting for Frankie Edgar, but once they got in there... Marlon Vera got after him. Yeah, in this, I misspoke earlier. Donkey Kong didn't get the knockout of the night. This one got knockout of the night. And I can see why. I really can't. Yeah. Um, Frankie Edgar in the first round took Marlon Vera down, and Marlon Vera couldn't respond. He couldn't get up at all. And Frankie Edgar dominated that. Second round, it was pretty much the same. Marlon Vera landed a few more shots, but... Edgar had the control time. And then that third round came out. Marlon Vera came out like a man possessed, knowing he had to get a finish to win. And backed Frankie Edgar up and landed a front kick that was a la Anderson Silva. And it was, oh, it's my favorite knockout. That's my favorite type of knockout is watching a good front kick land. And it comes out of nowhere, and the other dude's just taking a nap. I love this fight. It was a phenomenal fight. I thought it was good. I thought it was okay. I was the whole the whole main card. We would see a good fight, and I would get excited because I knew that even after that, we still had Kamara Usman, Colby Covington, and Rose Namajunas, Zhang Wei Li. And so after the Marlon Vera win, we got to watch Rose Namajunas and Zhang Wei Li run it back. And I don't know who was it you said you was going to win that. Zhang Wei Li. Oh, you you said Zhang Wei Li. Uh, I said Zhang Wei Li. Uh, you did say that. That's right. I'm just, I was I, I was I wasn't hundred percent sure. Split decision. I wasn't hundred percent sure if that's what she yeah, said. No, I said it, and okay. it was a split decision. So okay. one judge thought the same I did. And then who did the other two crown the winner? The other two crowned the winner because the other ones from China. Well, and boo China, go America. So so who was it? Who was it that won? It was uh um. A thug. Yeah, Thug Rose. Thug Rose. Thug Rose. No, no she got it. She got it. And yeah. like I said before, I thought Zongwei Lee was going to win, but I was rooting for Rose, and I was glad to see Rose win. I really was. And I was very impressed with how Rose Namajunas dominated the ground control over Zongwei Lee, who is stronger than Rose Namajunas is. I thought Zongwei – I didn't think there was any way Rose Namajunas was going to be able to keep – Zhang Wei Li pinned down on her back and control it. Dude, they wouldn't, like, okay, they were talking about Zhang Wei Li getting shook by the crowd booing her. 
Yeah, I heard that, and I was done. I knew it was over at that point. Like, but and then I she comes done. out with a haircut similar to Rose. Like she's she's mimicking Rose. She's coming up with excuses. That means she doesn't know why she lost. And yeah, it was okay. A lot of people say it was a lucky punch, or it was a kick, wasn't it? That knocked her out. It was a kick. They're saying it was a lucky kick, and it wasn't. Like th- th- that's the thing, though, is it wasn't luck. Like that was a hundred percent skill. That was technical dangerousness by Thug Rose. And then she comes out there, and instead of getting a first-round knockout like last time, she goes to war for five rounds, wins by points, and then on the fifth round, like she's ahead on points, in the fifth round has the perfect game plan, takes her down, wears her out, wins on points, gets the See, decision. It you was have 2-2 two, two going into the You fifth have round. to respect that, though. Like you can't – you have to respect no, that. No, and I do. I do. I thought there was no way that if it went to the ground that Rose Namajunas was going to be able to control Zhang Guili, and is, I thought Zhang Guili was going to get the get be able to get up and get back to the feet. That is quintessential. Had, uh, that is quintessential mental toughness. That is Rose knowing that mental toughness is going to win this game because on the technical side they're evenly matched, and Zhang Guili was not as mentally tough. She was. She came in. Not with the confidence. She had adversary to overcome, and she didn't overcome it. Rose was able to maintain that because Rose had already lost the title. She'd already lost that shot. You know, she'd already gotten the belt and then lost it and then come back. So, I mean, that that to me was Rose proving that there is a mental side to this game, and she had the mental edge. No, and she did. And I give all the credit. I give all the credit to her because she did. And she doesn't. She's very technical, but she doesn't have a single thing that stands out. And this is one thing Rogan was saying before the fight that I really agree on is she is a fighter. She's not a kickboxer in the UFC. She's not a jujitsu specialist in the UFC. She is a fighter. And I love it. I really do. Like I said, I was going for it. I just thought Sean Guaylee was going to do it. And so you let the fear take control. You let the you can't let that fear in. No, Taylor. I let my brain take control. Taylor, no, no, well, your brain was wrong. No, your use, brain will figure it out. I your brain's put, smart. I put brain over heart every time. No, see, your brain was wrong. Every time I've done the heart, they've lost. Your, With Derek Lewis and Jan, follow your heart. They've man. lost. I can't. I have, and it's hurt me. You got it. You got to let it go. Man. That's whenever I'm over there crying with Derek Lewis as he loses and getting absolutely heartbroken when he lost. I knew Derek Lewis was going to lose. Yeah, but. That's I did too, but that was my heart. I was going. I'm going for Derek Lewis, 100. percent I think he's going to win because I'm just following it. That's not heart. That's just being stubborn. I have been accused of that a time. It's or two. knowing. It's knowing that Derek Lewis is at a certain level and that these other guys are on a next level, and just having to watch something you don't want to watch, but you know it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a train wreck. You yeah. see a derail happening, and you can't turn away. But. No, I'm, I'm super happy for Rose. Um, it's looking like her next opponent's going to be Carla Esparza. They were talking about a possible trilogy, which I don't think would fit here. I got to be honest. I don't I don't know if I'm going to care about her next fight. I don't either. I I would watch if it was a trilogy with Zhang Guay Lee. I'll watch it, and I hope that she wins. But because of, like, really, be, it, it feels petty almost to care because it was like, the, the it was like Rocky. It was like China versus the U.S. Like I, it feels really petty, but that is a hundred percent why I was interested in this because I was like, oh, okay, let's see. Like, can the U.S. beat the coronavirus? And we did. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> and I'm still really upset that it's not called the Kung Flu. I hope yeah. that I hope that someday history will be uh, history will correct that, and it'll be called the Kung Flu again. Yeah. No, that because was absolutely hilarious. That's a, mi- that's a total miscarriage of justice. And that just brings me back to what you were talking about with Sean Guayli being rocked and surprised that people were booing her in Florida. Yeah, like one of the right first... whenever of, the coronavirus was going on. One of the first fights after, like, what? sports was back because of the shutdown for corona, and she's surprised that people are booing someone from China. Like, yeah, the yes, only people that is, root for China are NBA players, and nobody likes those guys. Yeah. A true American, in my opinion, yeah. absolutely hates China, wants nothing to do with them, wants to see them losing everything they do. Yeah, let's go LeBron. Yeah, like, like <laughs> duh. You know, it's... It's frustrating. It is. It's frustrating. It is. It is. Anyways, so, so but next it, fight. Next it's fight. shocking that she was surprised by that. I don't I don't understand what the rationale was, but you got to be a little more aware. And no, if that I, rocks you, you have bigger issues going into the fight, like you said. Yeah, it doesn't, surpri- it doesn't surprise me that it bothered her. It surprised me. No, it didn't surprise me. It was proof to me that there were some things, there was some weaknesses in her game. That's it. That's all. You know, there were some weaknesses in her game. They didn't know, whenever it became a um, an issue that she was trying to overcome it, then that just kind of showed me that like, oh, like they're they're struggling. They don't know what to do. They're They're trying everything now. Like instead of trying the thing that works, they don't know what works. So they're just trying everything. Because they want to make sure that they don't lose, and you have. Anyways, anyways, and we, that's right we can get, in line. We can get into and the that's weeds. A of, great leadway right into Colby Covington. Yeah, absolutely. And what he did preparing for this fight, right? So because it's on. the same thing that Colby Covington and Zhang Lee did. So second title fight of the night: Kamara Usman, Colby Covington. Colby Covington obviously plays this character who's like Mr. America, which I kind of find insulting. Like, I think it's an insult on intel- on the intelligence of actual patriots because he's pretending to be a patriot to get attention. And it's so blatantly obvious that the people who like him, I kind of subtract some IQ points because I'm going, you don't see what he's doing. Like, he's 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 pretending to be this patriot to get all of it. Like, I'm sure he appreciates the troops just as much as anybody else, but he's turned it up to 11. He's... And and he's playing the heel on it, like he's playing the patriot heel. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin played the patriot, but he was a badass. You know, Colby Covington's playing the patriot heel, and I hate that. It's like, dude, if you're gonna be the patriot, like do it. Hey, everybody didn't like. There are a lot of people that didn't like John Cena, but the dude came out with like patriotism and all that, like America, and was on board. Hulk Hogan was not the heel. He came out on board with America. You know, and then he wasn't playing the heel until he was like Hollywood Hogan, which makes sense because California. But Colby Cummington comes out with the Trump hat and with Trump's book, and he's got like girls in bikinis all over his Instagram, and he's like, I'm the best. That's all there is to it. Everybody knows it. And he hasn't won a championship, but he's talking like a champion. And it's like, that got under my skin. And that's by design, but I took offense to the fact that he put like the Patriot side of it. And I, I agree with you on that. I really do. Um, I'm not a fan of it, and I was more so disappointed with his walkout music. I wanted it to be like Apollo Creed walking out to fight uh, the Russian. They ended up killing him. I don't even remember what it was. Full American, like 
full on America. We're we're looking this up right now. But was it okay? I don't, yeah, I, don't, no, I, don't, I don't remember what it was. Everything, uh, everything that Colby Covington's done, this would have been the intro that I would have expected right here. And Paul's about to see it. It's from Rocky Four. All of y'all following along. It's the most American thing there is to follow. And it's all there. And I wanted Colby Covington to do this. And if he would okay. have done this, I probably would have started rooting for him. Okay. At that point. Um, I could see why he living, did it. The living in America. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I can kind of see why he didn't because Apollo Creed kind of died in that fight. So. But what did he walk out to? Like, that's the question. I don't remember what he walked out to. Exactly. It's that boring. Okay. It wasn't like, I, I'm I, proud to be an American I, or anything. It I get was your point. That big of a letdown. Like, okay. if you're going full personality like he is, keep it going. Bring the full hype train and let's keep this sucker going. Keep throwing the coal, coal on the fire and let's go with it. But he didn't. Well, wow. he got in the ring and he actually fought a good fight. Um, but he's just not on Kamaru's level. Like, Kamaru Usman was able to dominate. Uh, Covington rocked Usman, though. <sighs> a couple times. He got in there. He ro- he tagged him. He didn't rock him. Like he got. Usman was back on his heels and struggling in the fourth round. But he was so ex- like Colby was so exhausted he couldn't capitalize on it, and it wasn't like he was ever in danger. He got hit and he stumbled around. Yes, but he was never. He wasn't in danger of getting finished. He was never in danger. But not at all. But. For Covington to rock Usman, whenever Usman's at this level that he is, it was impressive for me to see. And all the talk leading into this is about Kobe Covington leaving his training team and going to a new one. So yeah. the previous training team, what what training was it? Team one was that it? I don't remember. It was so Kobe Covington left his old team, went to a smaller local training facility. That essentially gave him 100% of the attention the entire time. And they trained for more power and just going for a knockout on it. Um, and oh, he was at American American Top Team. America, yeah. So, so he, that's he what was Colby at, left. He was at American Top Team, and then he left because he said he wanted to get more specialized treatment. Or he wanted to get more specialized training. But in my opinion, he didn't like being around people that actually were going to make him work and wouldn't let him behave like a spoiled brat. So he went to a place that was going to worship him for being in the UFC. And that's why he got, he didn't, he didn't threaten Usman like their first fight. No, he didn't. But what you saw with that fight is anytime it got from like the technical standard technical fight and it got into a dirty kind of dirty boxing. That's where Colt, Colby Covington took over and won points. But that's his style. That's how he's always been. It has been. But it was... I thought it was different. I thought it was different from the first fight that he did and the fact that he won every single one of those dirty boxing exchanges. Colby Covington didn't didn't, get hurt. He didn't win every single one of them. Of those dirty boxing exchanges. Yeah. He didn't win every single one of them. There were a couple of them where Kamaru tagged him. And that's where he got tagged in the last fight was when they were doing that dirty boxing and Kamaru came out and broke his jaw. 
So I mean, I he, broke your face. Exactly, he broke his face. So Colby's Colby's got a style that he really likes going to, and it's that street fighter brawl. Like you say, he he likes getting in that dog fight, but it doesn't work for him. And I think that an American Top Team was trying to show him like you need strategy, you need to do this, you need to do that. And he was like, no, I just want to fight the way I want to fight. Okay, good, go fight Kamaru Usman the way you want to fight. You're tough, so you're going to be able to weather the storm, but you're not going to get the win. He's because he wasn't in control of any of those rounds. So he got into the dogfight he wanted, he lost, and now he's got to go home and lick his wounds and be like, huh, maybe I should start listening to coaches and training in a way that is going to help me beat Kamara Usman. Because I definitely think we're going to see a trilogy. I definitely think we're going to see this run back um, after like maybe two or three fights. Because Colby's a great fighter. He can beat some of those top-level dudes, and I think he'll be back in uh, title contention. He's not terrible, but he's he's... Walking away from this fight humble, which is what he should have walked away from the last fight where he got his jaw broke. And I see what you're saying. And the point I'm getting at is I think Colby Covington is the only one that can put in this type of fight with Usman and this quality of a fight Yes, with I agree Usman. with that completely. Um, if you look at that weight class, Colby Covington is the only one that can do that to Kamaru Usman. And Usman's takedown defense is something to be noted. It is oh, it's phenomenal. The best ever. He's it's never phenomenal. been taken down. Never spent any time on his back. He did yeah. like a weird front flip, back flip, to avoid one of them in the third or fourth round, and it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. And Usman is that man. He is different. And like he said before the fight, it's tough to see for Colby Covington. And whenever you're at this level and in this game. It's almost impossible for Colby Covington to admit that there's another man on this planet that is better than him, and he cannot beat well, that man. It's Kamara Usman. It is. It is, and Usman said that 100%. So, so I think Usman qu- is one of the greatest. He's top two welterweight of all time, in my opinion, right now. I think he needs to prove more to get above GSP. I'm not being like Dana White and crowning him the king of the welterweight division. I can see it. But I think he still has just a little more accomplishments to go to get on GSP's level. Okay. Well, that's I'll make this point really quick because there's another point I want to make. Or I'll, I'll just raise this question. Um, like, comparing GSP to Kamara Usman, there were different rules in the UFC. So it's kind of a different fight game. I don't see that you can compare one for the other. They would have to fight each other within the new rules. Um, but, so, now that we have Kamaru tagged welterweight champion... Um, like he's a goat status or possible goat status. Who is there to, for him to fight? Leon Edwards. Do you really think Leon Edwards can beat him? No. Who is there anybody that can beat him? Dustin Poirier. You, if they fight he, down. He would have to, yeah. yeah. In the weight class, um, Gilbert Burns, maybe, but you can't get Kamaru Usman down, so Gilbert Burns is done. Um, yeah. Hamza Shimaev is a Dagestani who's up and Dagestani coming. Dagestani bad boy. You know, yeah. maybe, but who knows. I'm looking at these top 10 fighters right now. One, you got Colby Cummington beaten twice. Uh-huh. Gilbert Burns beat him. Uh-huh. Leon Edwards hasn't fought him for a title, but he, he ain't going Usman beat him okay. before he owned the title. Yeah. Vicente Luque, he was on the backup. In case if one of the fighters fell, okay, not beating him. Yeah, um, Wonder Boy Stephen Thompson. He ain't doing not doing it. He ain't doing Jack. Michael Kesa not doing it. 
Jorge Masvidal? No. Not not no. doing it. Beat no. him twice. Yeah. With distinction. Like, yeah. put him out. I love Jorge Masvidal. Dude ain't winning. No, he ain't beating. He, he ain't being Kamaru Usman. Neil Magny, I haven't heard of the dude. Um, Bilal Muhammad, he ain't beating Usman. Usman's at that different level. And then you got Hamza Shamaev at 10. And Shamaev has a very, very interesting resume, but he has a lot to prove before he gets that shot at Usman. What's Hamza's um, record? Um, undefeated. He's undefeated. Undefeated. I believe. I'm pulling it up right now. Who's the last person he fought? Um, he He's one of the Dagestani Jingling, bad boys. Who picked him up, told Dana White to get off his phone and watch this, slammed him and choked him out. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Um so he had severe COVID nineteen complications that yeah. made him consider retiring. But this man has only been only absorbed two strikes in his entire UFC career. Only been hit twice. Yeah. Never been taken down. He's been dominant. So this is the only guy I can see. But he still has a lot to prove, and he has a lot of people to beat that are ranked above him. I want to – he's a Dagestani bad boy. I want to see him climb. I, I, I want to let's, – let's, let's imagine what's the best fight for him next. Okay, so we're getting into this Leon, right now. Leon Edwards. We're getting into this right now. All right. That was 268. Incredible card. We're getting into the drama that's unfolding in the welterweight division that's right, right now. That's right. And it is insane what's going on. We got people popping off all over the place. So, Leon Edwards and Jorge Masvidal have had this, I guess you would call it a rivalry. They've had going, drama. They've but had... they haven't fought, so it's been drama. Yeah. They finally agreed to a fight on UFC 269. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, we got we to go over the quick, the quick recap of the drama. So, at some point, like, was it four years ago, four or five years ago, they were at the same event in England, I think, and Jorge Masvidal won his event. He was doing the after event interview, and this dude's talking trash from the wing, and he's like, you know, something about couldn't take me. You better watch your back. And Jorge stops the interview, like just walks away from the interview. And he's like, "What's up, bro? Like, what's going on?" And he walks up to him, and it's Leon Edwards. And Leon Edwards is sitting there talking trash, like, "I'll kick your ass right now." And so Jorge walks up to him with his hands behind his back with his head cocked to the side, like only like Jorge Masvidal can do. And he just kind of walks up to him. He's like, what'd you say? And then Leon pulls his hands up. Like he's like, he's getting into like a fighting stance and Masvidal gives him one, two, three right in the face and then just kind of slides away. And that was the Jorge Masvidal move that got him the two piece in the soda where he just gave him two pieces in a soda. He gave him one, two, three cut up his face um you know bare knuckles so it definitely did some damage and then Masvidal made a good decision and left immediately like just didn't stick around didn't get in trouble for it um but it became yeah it definitely became part of Jorge Masvidal's persona this whooping that he gave on Leon Edwards and it, it it happened because Leon Edwards was talking trash and then thought he was going to be able to like push him or, you know, do that little cheap. Like it's not a cheap shot where they punch you. Um, but it's a, like a mini, it's shove. not a sucker. It's not a yeah. sucker shove. It's not a sucker punch. It's a sucker shove where it's like the first one to it gets to talk trash and be like, haha, I got you. Uh, Usman did it to Covington, but in the way in, uh, or in the face off. 
a couple days before the fight. But it looked like Leon Edwards was going to try and pull that off. And Masvidal was like, dude, don't talk trash to me. I'll, I will hurt you. And then, and then after that, he went on to knock out um, – oh, why, why can't I think of his name? It's the fastest knockout in USC history. Yeah, Ben Askren. Ben Askren. Okay, yeah. yeah. He, he, went, he went on to knock out Ben Askren. And so that built on the legacy of Jorge Masvidal. So now we have this awesome fight coming up with Masvidal versus Edwards. And Masvidal got injured and backed out. I don't I, – I think he actually got injured. I, I could see it because if Masvidal somehow beat Leon Edwards, he would then be the next title challenger and he would get the third shot at Usman. Um, so I, I bet you he really did get injured. It's just everything leading up into this, Leon Edwards not wanting to fight Masvidal because Leon Edwards believes he's earned a title shot. Then this fight finally came to fruition. They signed it. Then George magically gets hurt. And I, I think you. I think he legitimately got hurt. Yeah, it, it's just a major letdown. But this has opened up the floodgates of who's going to fight Leon Edwards. Exactly. So we have Hamzat Shamaev coming out saying, "Hey, look at me. Yeah, I was a pretty boy before this. Yeah, and I That's came a back. Good fight. And you saw me. Let's go." And then you have nasty Nick Diaz calling him out after looking like he did against Robbie Lawler. Said, yo, I'm down. Let's go. Right after he said, I don't fight my brother's battles, he's in here saying this to Leon Edwards. So we got Hamzat Shemaev. We got um, Bilal Muhammad even said, I'll fight Leon Edwards. Their fight got canceled earlier this year. And you have Nick Diaz saying they want him. There is no way in hell Nick Diaz fights again in the UFC. He should not. Not after that performance no he put in with Robbie Lawler. No way in hell. <laughs> that dude done. It kind of makes me want to watch it. And another thing that I would love to see is Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz running it back. Because that last fight they had, Nate stunned him Yeah, in the fifth round. I'm Nate not, rocked him. I'm, I'm not interested in that fight, but I, I agree with you 100%. Nate rocked him. But I'm not interested in that fight. You just like poking fun because I'm a big Leon for the title fight for him to lose because I think he's earned it. And and Leon Edwards is going to fall to Hamza Shemaev. I that's the fight I want to see. Yes, that is the fight I want to see. And on the other side of the page, we have Conor McGregor making his presence known. He has started training again. He's looking at. March to April of 2022, and Matt Chan, um, not Chandler, Michael Chandler said, Hey, how about 2022? And Connor said, I'm down. But as soon as old George fell, Connor's like, Hey, injured, get the F out of here. You saw what happened to my ankle. I had a stress fracture going into that fight, and I still fought it. How about me and you? Yeah, but was do that it a good decision? For my comeback fight. Yeah, but was that a good decision? No, and it wasn't. There wasn't a stretch fracture before the fight, anyways. We aren't getting back into that. But anyways, Conor McGregor called out Masvidal and said, "Hey, let's run it back. My first fight back. Me and you. Let's go." And that is a fight I would like to see. Yeah, I Masvidal mean, will cap off Conor McGregor's career. You think? Yeah. 
I think they would get into a boxing match, and I think Connor's a better boxer than Masvidal. I don't. I think Masvidal is a way better boxer than people give him credit for, and I think he would kill him with volume. I I think that I think one, if I'm fighting Connor, I'm kicking that leg over and over until it breaks again. Two, I don't think Masvidal is going to do that. I think Masvidal would definitely get into a boxing, like a dog fight. And, but it would be an entertaining fight. I would definitely want to see Masvidal McGregor fight each other. That would be a high stakes drama fight. Um, and if McGregor wins against Masvidal, who is a top tier within that weight class, that could set up another fight within the lightweight division with anybody, though anybody's maybe, out there. Maybe, maybe. But I, I now see Masvidal as he's like maybe the lower half of the ten of the top ten, and I don't think Connor's cracking that upper tier ever again. I don't think he's cracking it, but I think Masvidal I think Masvidal would beat Wonderboy. I think Masvidal would beat Kaesa and that's top five. Yeah, yeah. So I I it's really tight. Within this welterweight division, it's a really tight second place yeah, from top to bottom. But I would love to see Leon Edwards and Hamzat Shemaev fight. That That's the prove-it-to-me prove fight for yeah. both of those fighters. Are you real or are you not? If either one of – because both of them, in my mind, both – like maybe Hamzat needs to win one more before he's actually like considered in contention for the belt. But this is an opportunity – um, I think him versus Leon Edwards is the fight because it would if if Leon Edwards beats Hamzat, then I would not say anything about him deserving a title shot. If Hamzat beats Leon Edwards, I would not see anything about Hamzat getting a title shot. And one of those guys, and and I legitimately I want to see Hamzat win because I want to see how he goes against Kamaru Usman. I want to see Leon Edwards go up against Hamzat because. I don't really, like, ever since the Nate Diaz fight, I don't really believe in Leon Edwards that much. Like, it took him too long to put away someone he should have put away pretty hard. That's that's Leon Edwards, though, and I don't I don't think you can knock out Nate. Of course, he's he's human. What is he? he is. He's not a demigod. Like, no, you can he knock is. Him out. But looking at what Leon Edwards does. Knocked out his brother. Someone yeah. did. Yeah. Very true. But well, toe, po- toe poked him in the liver, and then he didn't get up. Yeah, there we go. Couldn't get up from the liver kick. What I'm seeing with Leon Edwards though is he fights smart. He goes to a lot of decisions. He doesn't get finishes, but he fights very smart. Doesn't put himself in danger, but is able to land the shots to win the fight. He's able to win rounds with ring control and getting his shots in there. Um, kind of. Kind of Sandhagen, but he doesn't take the punishment that Sandhagen does. Um, very similar fighting style to how Usman beat Covington. Very similar fighting style to that right there. Can handle himself on the ground. Don't know what Usman can do on the ground because he's never on the ground. But he's a... Usman can get up. Yeah, Usman doesn't go down, but he can get up. But Edwards is one of those guys who is kind of similar to Usman in the fighting style. He just doesn't have the power that Usman does. And I think that's where the danger would come from, and that's why I think Usman would win it. But whenever you look at the track records, Edwards' last loss was to Kamara Usman, 
six years ago now. If you haven't lost a fight in six years, you deserve a title shot, especially with the names that he's beaten. He's beaten Nate Diaz, which was, it is what it is, beat Dos Anjos, beat Nelson, beat Cowboy Cerrone. Everybody's beat Cerrone. But I beat him one time. I would like to see that fight. He beat Vicente Luque, who's the number four right behind him. Um, he hasn't fought Gilbert Burns. That's the fight I wanted to see. But Yeah, who's Gilbert Burns fighting next? I haven't seen anything. But if you're looking at merit-based, Leon Edwards is a merit-based fighter who deserves to lose the title shot. And I've said that countless times, and I will continue to say that. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but so, I definitely want to see the Hamzat Shimai. Yeah. We'll fight see. on that. Um, we will. 100%. We will stay updated. Um, so, what's coming up? It's just the next night. It's a fight night. Yeah, it's a fight night. Um, there's not really. Holloway Rodriguez. Yeah, it's Jair Rodriguez against Max Holloway. Not Max. Yeah. Yeah, Max Holloway. Um, and, and this I'm, one is very interesting. I'm, I'm going to pick Max just because I like Max. I like yeah. Max Holloway. So, Yair Rodriguez is coming back off of a drug ban. He never tested positive, yeah. but he just didn't uh, tell the enforcement agency where he was. So, uh, they didn't okay. know his location, so he yeah. got a suspension for that. So, Yair, Yair Rodriguez is coming back from a drug ban that he did not test positive for. That's very important, yeah. in my own opinion. Um, I've but, just accepted that they've all figured out a way to do performance-enhancing drugs mm-hmm. and then cycle out of them. This one is setting up. If Max Holloway wins, he is in the title shot again against Volk. Cool. It it has to be that way. And these guys are both stand-up guys. They are boxers. And that's what this is going to be. It's going to be a kickboxing match, essentially, but with very high skill and talented strikers who are going to get dirty and... Yeah, but Max is coming off that loss and he's hungry. I I see him as dominating this whole fight. Like, well, Max's last fight literally sat there, did not look at his opponent, ducked five punches while that looking. Was his last fight. That was his last fight. That was Max Holloway's last fight, and mm, Max Holloway's different with his skills. So that was him versus Qatar. Yep. Oh, that's right. He lost to Volk. Then he just fought. Then, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Sorry. So his last fight, Max Holloway. They're on a fight night. There's no fans still because of COVID nineteen. Yeah. He's in the middle of the fight. He looks over to the commentators, telling him, "I'm the best boxer in the UFC." And at that time, he's not looking at the opponent. He's fighting. Dodges five yeah. punches and sticks him with the straight right. Without looking at him. Yeah. Awesome. So, and, so I'm taking Max. Yeah, me too. That was like a uh, biggest uh, whip it out. and Mighty sh- Max. Yeah. Mm. But Yara Rodriguez has more knockout power than Max Holloway and is just as technically sound as Max Holloway is. So this one is going to be a fight to watch. There's a couple higher rank on the prelims, but they aren't really meaningful by any means. Um, this one's kind of a light fight night just because Madison Square Garden just happened. Yeah, there's like one or two names that... Uh, yeah, you got ben, Big Ben Rothwell fighting. 
He's still going at it at the heavyweight. I don't know that guy. Um, prelims, you got... Uh, Song Yudong's the only name that I recognize. Song Yudong. Song Yudong. That's Best all last I... name in fighting. So, but um, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Should be a good fight. You got Tiago Moises fighting Joel Alvarez. And Cynthia Calvillo coming off her loss to Jessica Andrade fighting against Andrea Lee. But I'm really only watching that main event. I'm going to watch them all, but I'm only intrigued by the main event. It's going to be, that one's going to be fun to watch. For sure. Who's coming up next? So it's Holloway Rodriguez. Are there then any- it's Maisha Tate fighting. Maisha. Misha. I say Maisha. I'd like her to be mine. Um, Michael K.S. is on that card against uh, Sean you Brady. Like, you like Misha Tate? I mean, she's kind of cool. A little different. A little thug. I can get with it. And then that's that next one. And then December 4th, the week before UFC 269, you got Rob Font against Jose Aldo. You got Rafael Vaziv against Brad Riddell. Um, a whole lot of the lower, the 10 to 15 rank guys fighting right before the next uh, pay-per-view. Yeah. But the Jose Aldo against Rob Font is going to be a fight to watch. Jose Aldo's having a career resurgence occurring right now, trying to get back up into the Bantamweight, see if he can make a little noise. Um, Bantamweight class, that's kind of in shambles right now because you got Peter Yan who's going to have to fight Al Jermaine Sterling at some point in time. Never happening. It's going to happen, I hope. Probably not. I'll put money on it. Yeah, probably not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put I'll put money on it. Yeah, you have Peter Yan fighting TJ Dillashaw for the title. And then you got Rob Font and Jose Aldo at four and five. And the winner of that one looks like they're gonna be the Wait, when's the Peter Yan fight? Peter Yan's fighting who? Whenever Al Jermaine Sterling backs out, it's gonna be Peter Yan against TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then Peter, Peter Yan, TJ Dillashaw, and, and the winner of that one will have to fight Rob Font, Jose Aldo. Yeah, at some that, that's at the some, only thing that makes sense. At some point, they've got to strip Aljo of the title. At some point, like that's going to happen. Well, it is. I think he's going to be lined up for a February or March, and if he backs out, he's done. Good. So, um, that's what I've been seeing. And dude, I'm looking at this 268 card. Uh, or I'm sorry, the 269, the UFC 269, Olivera Poirier, and I'm not super impressed. To be I honest, am. there's uh, other than Cody Garbrandt and Sean O'Malley, I don't care about any of these other people. Oh come on, do no. not be saying that to me. You don't care about the Davison Figueredo? No, I don't. Rematch? No, no, dude, you have to go back and watch those first two fights. Those were awesome fights. Figueredo. Wait, what? I don't know. I don't even see this. What are you talking about? I, I see am... Sean O'Malley, and I'm, I'm excited to see Sugar Sean. Um, yeah. Sean O'Malley, Cody, Cody Garbrandt are the only two fights that I care about watching. And then, of course, Oliveira and Dustin Poirier, because that's when Dustin the Diamond is going to get the belt. That's right. Deserves. Sorry, Figueredo's on 270. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Kai France against Garbrandt. That one's going to be good. O'Malley Paeva's going to be good. Uh, Dominic Cruz and Pedro Munoz. That one's going to be fun to watch. Dominic Cruz, the old man's still trying to go. Got Dan Ige still in there. Yeah, I don't I don't care about Dan Ige. Sorry, Dan. I know you yeah. don't listen. 
Yeah, no, for sure. We got Derek <laughs> Miner going. Um, I'm still waiting for Ricky Tercios to fight, so that way I can root against him. Okay. Big time. But, yeah, it's looking like it's going to be a good main card, and then everything after that's going to be kind of, eh. That'll be a good, uh, well, geez, if it's late like the last one. I hope I might. Not. I might nap through like the prelims and then wake up yeah. for the other one. That last one was taxing, dude, man. We were looking late. over at each other right before the Rose fight, and it we're got, like, "It got late, dude. It's eleven thirty. Like, what are we doing?" It got late, and that hot sauce tore me up. <laughs> yeah, we had wings, and Paul picked up some uh, buffalo wing sauce that had, it was delicious. It tasted fantastic. Yeah, and it wasn't hot. It was just something in it that was. Awful. It might have been like the garlic sauce or something. I don't know, but yeah. it, it tore me up. Yeah. I had nightmares. I had bad dreams. <laughs> Gave him bad dreams. Bad, bad dreams. There you go. But so that's about all I have to say on this one. Yep. I think we're good. There we go. So, so thanks for listening. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Paul Torres. I'm Taylor Edmondson. Yeah. Deuces.